0: Welcome back to the show. You are in luck because this is one of my favorite episodes. If this is your first time here, where you been? This is the podcast where I tell my guests that the world is ending and that they must choose the movies that they think are worth saving. We are talking with David Raspoli. He is an actor and writer. He also does interviews with actors and directors for Cinemark Theaters. During this episode, he's going to tell us about the time he did a junket with Tom Hanks. Sir Tom Hanks, that's right. He'll talk about the movie that bonded him with his wife when they first started dating. And he'll also reveal the movie that starred Gene Simmons that terrorized him for a year of his life. My name is Luke Cheney. Let's do it.
1: It is time to talk about movies. All your favorites. All your loved ones. We will hear them. And we'll cheer them. It is time for Movie Time Capsule.
0: With me today is writer, actor,
1: comedian, and host with the most. Welcome to the show, David Rispoli. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for having me, man. I'm excited to talk about my favorite thing of all time, movies. Movies. Hell yeah. What's the last movie that you watched? Not for work.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's, that's a good point. Uh, I do, I, I, I'm very blessed in my job where I get to interview actors and see new movies that come out. So that, that's been a dream job. The last movie I watched for fun, Just Me and the Wife, because of quarantine, we have been really been on a nostalgia kick. Oh. And it started with Father of the Bride, and that yes. sent us on a Steve Martin kick. Um, So I think, honestly, the last movie we watched is I realized my wife had never seen The Three Amigos, oh, which I was shook. And so <laughs> I made sure she watched three movies. I believe that was the last movie we watched, the two of us. That's awesome.
0: I discovered in quarantine that my wife had never seen Back to the Future, a little series. So I was like, let's get it on right now. So we spent like each day, each night going through one, two, and three. And I was like, damn, these just age
1: so well. And I will never be annoyed with them. I just love them. Oh man. Yeah. I Back to the Future, very special place in my heart for that film. I, I think- that was like the first movie I saw that like absolutely blew my mind. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I, I actually, as a child, I watched them out of order. Really? I watched three first, but it's, it's like one of the rare movies that it kind of doesn't matter because it plays <laughs> with time so much. I yeah. mean, it's not like you can watch three and you're lost. You're like, I get it. These guys travel through time and DeLorean, <laughs> uh, sign me up. Uh, but since then, I think watching them in order is, is a thing of beauty to catch all the little Easter eggs. Yeah, there's so many. We, I recently rented out an um,
0: AMC for six of my friends just to watch Back to the Future. And I was just like, holy shit, there is uh, so many things that I still recognize. Or, I mean, for the first time, see that I didn't know were there, that Christopher Lloyd was doing in the background. There's so much gold in that movie. It's ridiculous.
1: I cannot even believe that they shot a majority of that movie without Michael J. Fox. It's like insane. some uh, some poor soul was Marty McFly. I always think about that when you when there's like performances that just kind of transcend time. I think Michael J. Fox Marty McFly is is, is one of them, as well as Christopher Lloyd as Doc Brown. But that performance is like built for Michael J. Fox. Can yeah. you imagine someone else playing Marty McFly? No, no, no. I wondered. I wonder if that
0: helped Robert Zemeckis because he basically got to direct the scene twice and really play with it and figure out what didn't work. So like, I feel like he got to just zone in and perfect it once he got to Michael J. Fox being on set.
1: I love the story too about Michael J. Fox was filming Growing Pains during the day. Back and forth. So they, they had a very, very late schedule. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was working crazy days. Like yeah. I can't even imagine spending all day on set in front of a live audience, shooting, having your your energy up, you know, that those old school like sitcoms, you had to be energy up, lightning fast with the quips and then going at night and shooting something like Back to the Future. Man, oh man, that guy's a legend. He's a machine, yeah. Thank you so much, Michael J. Fox, for doing all those extra hours for us.
0: <laughs> hey, Michael, if you're listening, thanks, pal. We love you. We just love you. <laughs> I want to go back to your, uh, your job. Well, your, I guess... You have many jobs, but um, I do. I, <laughs> you're a modern day Renaissance man.
1: Yeah, I do. Okay, sure, <laughs> sure, pal.
0: <laughs> but um, I want to talk about you being on red carpets. Um, I remember seeing you there for Infinity War, and th- yes. like that's got to be a crazy red carpet because there's like 20 celebrity A-listers. Like, does that stress you out? Does that make you excited? What's the vibe on the carpet?
1: Well, that was like my second red carpet of all time. And wow. that was a doozy to do. The, actually, my very first one um, was uh, let's see. No, it wasn't the last Jedi. What was right before Last Jedi? Star Wars fans, I'm, uh, I'm Rise watching as no. Yes, Skywalker. No, That's,
0: but you got it backwards. No, do I have them out of order? Last Jedi and then Skywalker.
1: Right now, there's a bunch of Star Wars nerds that are like. Dave, you idiot! They no. just turned off the podcasting. <laughs> it's over now. I'm sorry. I'm really bad at stuff. Should be said before we start this podcast, I'm dyslexic, which means I'm horrible at uh, obtaining names. It's one of the, <laughs> the biggest problems I have. Which isn't good for a red carpet host, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Luckily, we have cue cards. But it was it was so exciting because the cast is like... I mean, I'll never probably do another movie where... The cast is as A-list, as legendary as... I mean, think of just like some of the best actors of all time are in Infinity Wars in droves, you know? Yeah. So the way it worked is, funny enough, it wasn't a red carpet. It was a purple Ray. carpet. And because <laughs> of Thanos, um, they had every outlet imaginable. So there was like 500 journalists and they had us on each side. And basically they split up the cast into four groups and just depending on what outlet you were, they were going to send you one of the groups because you couldn't possibly get all of them. Sure. Normally on red carpets too, it should be said, I love Cinemark to death. I love working for them. They're a great company to work for, Luke. (laughs) But they got into the red carpet game a little late. So sometimes on red carpets, we tend to be at the very end of the carpet. Ah which means you miss most of the A-list talent because by the time they get to you, the PR people are like moving them past you. And so you get a lot of like, you know, the side characters and stuff. <laughs> but for Infinity War, they were like, everyone's going to get, you know, some heavy hitters because you're going to get one of these groups. So it was, it was already like very exciting. And I got to interview Mark Ruffalo, yeah. who talk about, They say they they call guys dreamy. You know, I never really understood what 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 that means when they're like, "Oh, he's dreamy." It's like, "Oh, well." You interview Mark Ruffalo, and you just get lost in his eyes. I mean, the guy is dreamy. He couldn't have been more casual and cool. Josh Brolin, who was just now, mind you, I also I have to ask them not the deepest questions. We'll say so. One of my questions was since we're a movie theater. If you had to choose an infinite amount of any movie theater snack to watch this movie, what would it be? At first, I thought, oh, man, these, these celebrities are going to roast me for asking them this question. <laughs> but bless them. They all took it very seriously, and they gave great answers, and you really kind of got a feel of their personality. Yeah. And their movie-watching taste. Yes, absolutely. You know, Josh Brolin, Milk Dud guy, you know, would have would have pegged him for, you know, maybe just straight up popcorn or something or or, you know, three beers. But he's a Milk Dud guy. <laughs> I like Milk Duds, but those, you know, I can't get through a whole box because they're pretty hard. You know, they're they're chewy. They get in my teeth. They get stuck. And yeah, they, you get like four in there and you're like, I can't even open my my jaw because it's stuck together now. it's It's melded with milk duds but uh who who was i thinking of oh really cool thing happened in front of me on that red carpet i don't know if you remember this this meme that went around of of paul rudd uh getting snuck up on by mark ruffalo oh no well as i was interviewing mark ruffalo paul rudd got him back and all of a sudden, I'm like, in the corner of my eye, I'm like, I think Paul Rudd is running towards me right now. <laughs> and He just like grabs Mark Ruffalo. Um, and then the footage we used ended up becoming like a new meme. Oh, and I, was yeah. like, I was like, man, that's my hand. History. <laughs> Told you, mom. <laughs> <laughs> you thought I wasn't doing anything out here in L.A. My hand's in a meme. And it was the right one. <laughs> <laughs> Literally.
0: <laughs> Well, uh, Dave, I just got a text, um, from my buddy, Will. Okay. He says, uh, I think you know him it's, it's uh, Will Smith. And he says that, um,
1: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You, yeah, you guys are good
0: friends. Good too, friends. Yeah. He says that the, um, the aliens are coming back. So, um, it's not good news for us. I think it's best that we start putting some of your movies into the capsule. Are you ready? Very ready. Let's do this. Okay. First question is what movie
1: would you choose? if you wanted to cheer someone up, to show to them, to cheer them up. I thought about this a long time. There's going to be a lot of nostalgia and a lot of 90s in this capsule. Love it. That may speak to my age, but just also may speak to these are the movies I always go back to. For me, this is a no-brainer. It's The Sandlot. Oh, yeah. That movie to me is chicken soup. (laughs) It is what I can go to if I'm sick. It's one of the few movies that if it's on TV... Yeah, you just have to watch it. No matter how old I get, the movie holds up. It's just like pure Americana in a bowl. And now that I live in Sherman Oaks, I've realized that that is where they shot it. And the baseball field is where, you know, sometimes I'll go and and play tennis by those courts. It's, It's amazing, like where they actually shot the Sandlot. No way. Yeah.
0: I did not know that makes sense, though. I mean, like, yeah, that movie, it's like you want your childhood to be like that. Um, like you just have a gang of friends doing whatever you want to during the summertime and you just go on adventures like that's. Yeah, it's a feel good movie to the 10.
1: Yeah. And, I, and I, I think it like speaks to early friendships and how kind of people grow up and start to, you know, it that's like the purest time in your life as an adolescent is that time. Yeah. And, and to be honest, I was very blessed and I grew up in a neighborhood that had a lot of kids my age. And that's what we did. We rode bikes around and we Mm -hmm. got into trouble and we'd like sneak into the rich people's pools and get kicked out. (laughs) And like, we had our own version of Wendy peppercorn and we just kind of caused havoc. And, and you know, our thing was like playing street football, you know, which was, more dangerous, but, <laughs> you know, it's like, to me, that is just like a little slice of childhood that I, I think um, it would be hard to watch that movie and not to feel a little better after it.
0: Yeah. And I got to tell you, I don't think there's a 4th of July that goes by where I don't play Ray Charles's America the Beautiful. Yes. It's just, yes. It's obviously patriotic, but it, you know, reminds me of uh summertime where it's just you and your friends. And hot dogs. And you just feel like a, a king in, the, in your neighborhood. Yeah. And that's thanks to The Sandlot. Love that film. What's the movie that scared you more than any other movie has ever scared you?
1: There's like the horror version, you know, which like I remember seeing the first paranormal activity. Yeah. And legitimately being like in my 20s and still needing to sleep with the light on that night and just (laughs) any door like just anything found footage once they started coming up you know I I know Blair Witch was like the kind of OG but there was kind of like a resurgence after Paranormal Activity where there's a lot of those found footage ones and those ones scare me the most because they really take me out of it like it's not like I'm just I, I can go oh this is a movie these are special effects these are it really felt very real yeah and the first time I saw Paranormal Activity, I was like, I was legit scared. Each, each one after that, I think, was, was pretty great and, and scared me. But that one in particular, I haven't gone back to. I'll just say that. Yeah. That was, a, that was a one and done. Like, I don't need to see that again. Did you watch it at home for the first time or in the theater for the first time? I watched it at home. Same. I watched it at home and I watched it with just my roommate at the time and it almost made it worse i think the theater would have helped me again with that experience going okay this is a movie this is but like the we had creaky floors we had creaky doors we we lived in burbank we didn't have ac units so we slept with the windows open so there was constantly like the pressure and doors would slam and it was like (laughs) an older apartment and and I just remember being like, this is not where I want to experience this movie. <laughs> like, this is not, <laughs> this is not how I want to experience this movie. And it was, it was extremely scary. My runner up for this, which I was gonna say, which is kind of on the other end of the spectrum, was Deep Impact. Huh. Because at the time, I was like, can this happen? like <laughs> <laughs> like that was when like Armageddon was coming out volcano dante's right. it was like natural disasters you know as i get older i'm i'm thinking back and i'm like deep impact was ahead of its time it's just called <laughs> climate change and it's very scary uh but i always thought about like that movie and was like oh man this could this happen like as right. as a as a young man, being and like where
0: would this. you go on your motorcycle to to get higher ground to great great escape point? The flood.
1: I st- <laughs> I I'd be lying if I said that every time I move to a place in L.A. I think like okay if like if shit goes down and there's a ton of water just rushing down. Where like I need to be a little elevated, but like away from mudslides. Like I'm <laughs> I'm deep impact is like still in my psyche where I have to figure out an escape plan no matter where I live now. It had a deep impact on
0: your on your mm. life. <laughs> there it is. There it is. All right, Mister Um, Do you cry much in your real life? Do you are you a crier? Do you cry at
1: movies? Big time. Really? I'm um, I'm a big old sap. Uh, I'm not. I wouldn't say crier. I get. I can well up at a commercial. You know, if it's if it's done right, if it's got the right music. You know, certain times you're just like. <laughs> Why am I crying at a Mercedes commercial? (laughs) I I do. There are a lot of movies that really get me. I'm not, I'm not afraid to admit it. You know, I think, I think it's okay to cry. I'm an actor. I'm emotional to begin with. Mm -hmm. It's one of the reasons I'm able to moat and, and music and movies move me there. I said it, Luke. They move. me. Let it out. Let it out. What's the movie that makes you cry? Guaranteed. Every time you watch it saving private Ryan, Oh, I mean, I think most war movies, again, I think we're going back to like, there's an element of reality there that, that, that really, that really hit me hard, but there's just something really heartbreaking about that movie. Um, and when you, when you sent me this question, to be honest, a lot of Tom Hanks films came up. Sure. Yeah. You know, Forrest Gump uh Apollo 13, like just a bunch of movies that have like moments, moments in them. You know, you're not crying the whole movie. Um, but just have these really, you know, sad moments. And I think he's one actor, um, for some reason that 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 really can can get to a place where he's 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 tugging at your heartstrings. Right. Um, I think a lot of his characters are relatable and therefore you you love them. I mean you, you love Tom Hanks as a person. Yeah. Uh, so you really root for these characters and when, and when bad things happen to him, um, it makes Dave sad. <laughs> <laughs> is,
0: it, is there a particular scene in Private Ryan that, that gets you? Is it like when he's shooting the pistol, about to die, just still fighting away?
1: <sighs> that opening scene, you know, uh, well, I'm trying to think of the actor's name, uh, Tom Sizemore. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> when, he, when he dies. It's super sad. I think any of the characters you're falling in love with when they, when they die, especially in a war scene um, and just seeing just all of the, the bloody bodies when they're, when they're arriving on shore. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just so intense. And it's so sad that you're like, Oh yeah, this happened. This is real. Yeah. This is real. So yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot of those, I have one other that I, I wrote down unexpected. I wrote always gets me one scene. Tommy boy. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I think I know which one it is. Is it when the bagpipes are playing? Yeah. When, when, when Brian Dennehy's dead, there's just something about Farley in that scene and Brian Dennehy being gone and how much he loves his dad that, uh, you know, I just, as as a son, I just, I always, when that movie came out, super funny, one of my all time favorite movies, but that was one like you'd watch with the buddies. You'd be like, Oh dude, this movie's so funny, man. (laughs) Um, I'll, I'm gonna uh, I gotta I gotta go to the bathroom. Um, I'll be back though, because this movie' so funny, man. <laughs> yeah, that comes out of
0: nowhere, and it gets so serious, and you're like, "Wow, for a Saturday Night Live kind of movie, this I was not expecting this. Yeah. I, can, yeah. I can get on board with that. I think I get choked up when that happens. It's been a while since I've seen that. But, uh, great choice again.
1: Lot, lot of 90s coming out. Love it. What's a movie that you think everyone needs to see once in their lives? I think everyone needs to see, and I know this is three movies, but I'll just say it. And I know their fans are already upset with me, okay, about the new ones. But the original Star Wars trilogy, I do think everybody should see. I think it's storytelling at its best. I think it's fantasy at its best. It's, it's great. And they had such a profound effect on me. And I've seen them so many times since and they still hold up. They still hold up so much that when they, you know, Revenge of the Sith and all these movies came out and I think it was like the late 90s, early 2000s, like we were still going not as good as the originals and they were made in the 70s. Like that's when, you know, it's a really, really good movie. I think 100% everybody should go experience Star Wars. My wife has never seen them. I'm still trying to convince her to watch them. She's just yeah. not, she doesn't do fantasy. I can't get right. her to watch Game of Thrones, but I think the original Star Wars trilogy is a movie that would 100% have to go in the vault, have to be preserved. And then I would just slip in Parasite. Ooh. Because I don't want them to think I only, only saved movies from the 90s. <laughs> I only saved English-speaking films, um, and I do think that is... I think Parasite's a perfect movie. Um, I think it is one of the best-directed films I'd seen in a long, long time. I just... I was so affected when I first saw that movie, and I was on the edge of my seat, and I was... I, it's so rare to see a movie in 2020, or I guess I saw it in 2019, right. where you go... I've never seen anything like this. Yes, like this that's is, exactly. I mean, when, when when you know, off air, we were talking about Godzilla and Kong and just yeah. we're going to see remake after remake and Mortal Kombat. And I love those films, but it's so rare to be so caught off guard where you're like the first time you saw, you know, X, Y, and Z movie where you're just like, your mind was blown. But I just feel like that doesn't happen too often. Right. And that, that's a movie that um, really stuck with me over, over the last couple of years. Yeah, and, and and I had mentioned that I, I am dyslexic. That's not a joke. I am dyslexic. Um, so subtitles for me have always been a love-hate relationship, but that's when I know a film is really exceptional, is when I am they're just kind of there and I'm like getting everything I need from the performances and the director. Yeah. Parasite was a movie that I was like you know, I, I've seen a couple times just so my brain does start to process all the subtitles and I did get it all. But the first time I was just like, I don't really, I know exactly what's happening. I know exactly what these characters are doing, who they are, where they're from. That's that's when you know, you're just like, oh, this is, this is an exceptional film.
0: When the subtitles just kind of wash away and you're not reading, you're just watching and living it with them. That's the true mark of a of a masterful storyteller. Absolutely. Now, David, uh, I'm sure you're like me. Um, We love movies and movie lines, quotes from movies. They just come into our our daily language with friends and making jokes. What's the
1: movie line that you quote the most in your daily life? I mean, going back to The Sandlot, it's definitely, you're killing me, Smalls. Killing me, Smalls? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) fun story about The Sandlot. Okay. I had just moved out here to LA. I had not known a lot of people out here except my one high school friend who, like, I hadn't talked to in quite some time but it's one of those things when you move to a new city you just like reach out to whoever Mm. you know and she was like yeah you got to come over and um you know and 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 come over meet my boyfriend and and we'll kind of like you know tell you what's up with LA and I was like oh awesome yeah definitely cool and so I arrived to this like apartment complex in Sherman Oaks I'm I'm like kind of looking it's like an outside kind of apartment complex like most LA apartments are it's like a fountain. I'm lost. I don't know where they are, <laughs> and I just hear this voice like that's like, "Hey, Raspoli," and I like look up, and there's just like this like kind of bald dude in a in a tank top, like older guy, and 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 he's like coming down the stairs. He's like, "Are you Raspoli?" And I was like, "Uh, yeah." And he like puts out his hand, and he gives me like a really hard handshake. Like, a, huh. "Oh God, they're like is this guy gonna hurt me?" Like, he was like, "Nice to meet you." He's like, my, my name's Dave too. I'm, I'm so-and-so's a uh, uh, boyfriend. And I was like, oh, hey, so, yeah, so nice to meet you. He's like, come upstairs, man. So yeah. I come upstairs. They're sitting on the porch. There's a big bottle of tequila on the porch. It's 11 a.m. Now, oh, okay. I like to party guys, but I'm, I'm not a morning drinker. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was driving and I just got to LA and I was like, don't want to start off with a DUI. And then he like kept trying to get me shots. And he's like, you're here for the orgy, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah dude, I I did not know what was happening. And at one point drunkenly, my friend knocked over the bottle of tequila. Yeah. And I went, you're killing me smalls as I pick it up <laughs> and then silence. And I was like, uh. and then he looks at her and he goes, does he not know? And she was like, I, I, I don't know. I don't think I've told him. He's like, you didn't tell him. And I'm going like, what's about, I honestly, I was like, they're going to murder me. Like this is (laughs) is where I die. You know, first day in LA. And he's like, he's like, tell him, go ahead. Tell him. She was like, um, Dave is the writer director of the Sandlot. No shit. I literally go, no, he's not (laughs) like, (laughs) this isn't the guy I've pictured. You know what I mean? Like this this is no no this is not this like <laughs> like you know uh I don't know like nerdy charismatic kid that I thought like you know made the Sandlot movie and and he's like yeah Dave Mickey Evans that's me I made I made the I made the Sandlot and I also made he said like Ace Ventura like 3 or something <laughs> was like there's <laughs> a couple other ones and I was like oh okay stick to the Sandlot um <laughs> and he was the writer creator of No way of, and I only found that out because I said, you're killing me, Smalls. Um, and he ended up being a, a nice guy. And, and he actually signed a bunch of memorabilia for me. and, and, and cool. uh, It was one of those things now where now every time I hear that phrase, which you hear it all the time. You just see tequila falling into the ground and sludge. Yeah, I, no, <laughs> I, I just, I, I feel all over again, like a visceral reaction of like, did you tell him? Like, what did you do, Dave? What did you do? Like, I, th- I thought I just said, like, something very off-putting. You know what yes. I mean? Like, like I, I made, like, a faux pas by saying, you're killing me, small. That's that's how much air let out of the room in that moment. So I'm always just like,
0: ooh. <laughs> <laughs> that's got to be insane, though, for that
1: guy to hear it
0: just, you know, come out in random situations in life, and you're like, that's because of me. Like,
1: it's so huge. It's got to be one of the... The most famous lines from for people our age, from like yeah. our generation, it has to be one of the most quoted. Everyone knows it. Everyone knows it. It's on shirts. Like it's it's just part of the zeitgeist. It's just a huge, huge, huge movie. Um, that's that's one I quote all all the time. And uh, you know, and then and then there's like random random other ones. I think Tommy Boy's a great one for for quotables. There's there's never been a time where some somebody hasn't spilt something in a car that I just say the David Spade line, which is, well, that's going to help the resale value. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, uh, that one comes so, into
1: my life a lot too. It's where all the M&Ms go into the uh, the AC. Uh, <laughs> Everybody like turns, like all, is, all Chris Farley's M&M peanuts go in the thing. He goes, that's going to up the resale value. It's, Lucky it's, it's a, to, Luckily for you, they're hard show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: What's a movie that you watched when you were young um, that you thought to yourself, I am way too young to be watching this movie?
1: I love that you asked this question. And it's such a, this is such a weird answer and a real odd movie. But when I was in second grade, I went over a buddy's house and mind you, I grew up with very strict parents, New York Italians. I always had the earliest curfew and I could never watch any movie until I was of that proper age. You could get your license at 16 in Florida. Dave got his at 18 because that's what time, that's when you got it in New York. So that that should just tell you everything you need to know about my folks. I love them, but they were very strict. So I went over to this kid's house and I probably only seen like a lot of Disney movies and like really vanilla PG movies at that time. And he's like, You want to watch the Kiss movie? And I was like, The what? And he's like, The band Kiss. And I was like, What the hell's the band Kiss? He's like, Oh man. We got to watch this. The name of the movie is Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. But the <laughs> band Kiss made a movie where they're basically superheroes. Oh, so Gene yeah. Simmons like blows fire. Um like I don't even remember their rest of the superhero like their their powers. But for a a kid who doesn't know who Kiss is to just see these like kind of demonic looking people with these giant like Gothic shoes, you know they wear those like giant like spikes everywhere. Yeah, spikes, blowing fire, his tongue. I always remember like his tongue sticking out. (laughs) Not only did I think I should not be watching this, I'm going to get in trouble watching this. It ended up being my biggest fear for a year. So like, while other kids were like screaming to their parents, like, "Oh, mom, I think the boogeyman's under my bed," I'd be like, "Dad." I think kiss is in my closet. <laughs> like I was terrified that like Gene Simmons was under my bed and was going to use his tongue or something. I, I was, it scarred me to the Jeez. point where like I was terrified of kiss and then like we'd be out like a Halloween, you know, and like somebody's father who was walking them around trick or treating when is like you know, like uh Paul Staley or something, and I'd be like, Oh, oh jeez, it's KISS. <laughs> They're here to get me. <laughs> it was definitely definitely a movie that I was like first off, it's so weird. It's such a weird movie. I went back and like YouTube some clips. It's just it's bad. Let me just read you the the description of the movie. KISS, a rock band made up of superheroes battles an evil inventor who has plans for destruction at a California amusement park. What? If you're listening to this podcast, screw all these amazing movies I'm putting in my <laughs> vault, okay? Just just have yourself a time and go watch The Kiss movie. <laughs> and just just imagine watching that as like a small child who's been sheltered from a- anything bad uh movie-wise or any any of the above i mean this was like i i think this was the equivalent of like a buddy being like hey you want to see a playboy magazine for the first time like yeah. this was like my coming out party where i was like <laughs> look at all these crazy half me- naked men in in platform shoes and and makeup this is wild they're blowing fire and they have long tongues like wow i'm terrified
0: i'm going to go hard into the research after this is done recording yeah. to I want to see it. I want to see how much it made. <laughs> <laughs> the 70s, man. The 70s. Anything was made into a movie back then. Um, so I know you have a, a young daughter. I want to know, what's a movie that you are super excited to share with her when she's ready to watch um, and, and present to her? For me, it's Toy Story. Oh, yeah.
1: Which I think is still a really, really good film that absolutely holds up. But I'm excited to watch some quote-unquote kids' movies that I still very much enjoy. And I think they've gotten pretty good at making kids' movies. I mean, I love the Lego movie. And I thought Lego Batman was legit hilarious. <laughs> I think Toy Story is just another great bit of storytelling. And again, we're seeing two themes today. Sandlot and Tom Hanks. We're going to see a lot of Tom <laughs> Hanks in this. Uh, he's a huge part of my vault. Um, but yeah, I just I just think um, Toy Story is like a, a beautiful, fun story and it's one that I will enjoy. I mean, we've seen so much Pixar now, you know, but we forget like when Toy Story came out, it was like new and inventive and we were getting out of like, you know, the hand drawn animation, which I'm still a huge fan of, yeah. but, you know, Toy Story was really the one that put Pixar on the map. Um, and I think it's a movie... That any generation can enjoy. And it's great and it's funny. And it's like, it's, and it's so many legendary voices are in that film. Um, that's definitely one I'm excited to watch with her.
0: Yeah. There's so much to love about that movie. Like, yeah, like you said, all the voice actors are in there. Um, but I recently, when the last time I watched it, I was like, hmm, Woody, he's kind of a dick for no reason. T- to buzz <laughs>
1: yeah
0: yeah I mean, he's obviously scared to be of being replaced but like he
1: is kind of vicious he really is you know a lot, a lot of toxic masculinity in woody <laughs> no, <I'm trying> to- <laughs> no he he uh in that sense he's relatable in the sense of like you know he's putting up a front because he he really this is the new cool kid you know and everyone's mm-hmm. everyone's afraid of of getting old and getting replaced and and not being hip I mean, we're all a little
0: Woody, aren't we? You know, there's a little Woody inside all of us. We're always afraid of being replaced by some younger, hotter something. Always.
1: Well, I tell my wife that all the time. It's only a matter of time before she replaces me. (laughs) Some young TikTok star. That's
0: right. You never know where they're coming from. What is a uh, a movie that you'll remember forever, not because of the movie itself, but because of the experience uh,
1: that revolves around watching it was so unique or special that you'll always remember that movie? This one was easy for me. This is a no-brainer. We mentioned Will Smith up top. This was his idea, this podcast. My bud. My bud, Will. (laughs) It was Independence Day. I saw Independence Day in a theater on Independence Day opening day, and I will never forget when Will Smith punches the alien and says, welcome to Earth, standing ovation. I'm no if I'm lying, I'm dying. A standing ovation. <laughs> like when America was still living under the facade, that we were just everything was amazing and we're the greatest thing ever. And it was just like <laughs> patriotism was at its all time high. Like the crowd was going bananas through that movie. Like it was as if the aliens were actually coming and America had to defend us and we saved the planet for I mean. There was multiple applause breaks. Which, if you yeah. watch that movie now, you're like, "This is insane that this movie was getting <laughs> applauded." <laughs> it doesn't doesn't hold up the best, um, but that movie theater experience I'll never forget. It that line getting a standing ovation, multiple applause breaks, and then the very end, like slow clap when the credits were going, and everyone leaving the theater just being like amazing in America. And just like, I remember being like, Oh. <gasps> and then like a couple of my buddies saw it and they're like, it was okay. I was like, well, you didn't have my crowd. You didn't have my crowd. Okay. Standing. O, multiple standing O's, like as if the president was there. <laughs> was this in Illinois where you saw it? A bit, no, this is in uh, Orlando, Florida where I grew up. So this is in, this right. is in Florida. And this is on independence day. It was just me and my father. And I uh, just remember like looking around and being like, everyone stood up. And it was one of those things, like just like any standing ovation. It's like, you don't want to be the person sitting, you know? <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, okay, welcome to Earth. Yeah, Will Smith. Yeah, kill those aliens, you know? Like, just yeah, let's let's go. Like, come on. Yeah. Like Jeff Goldblum, you know. It was wild. And yeah, come to think of it, I definitely have not experienced a standing ovation since that moment. But very vividly stands out in my mind of just like being in a theater and being like, it was like being in a concert, you know, is there something I've never seen anyone cheer like that at a a film. And now to look back on it and think like it was independence day. And like,
0: (laughs) it's so crazy. I think the closest I've come to that is Avengers infinity war, where it's like, you get, you get it when he, um, you know, says assemble for the first time. People just loved it.
1: Yeah. I think when I saw, the force awakens and Han Solo appears for the first time. There was like a huge, I watched that at the Vista um, theater in Los fields. It was a really amazing theater to see that movie. Um, And there was like not a standing ovation, but there was like an uproar. Like, you know, we didn't hear the next couple lines because people were just applauding and, (laughs) and going ham. But yeah, I mean, I assume, I don't know who wrote independence day, but I assume when they were like, Writing that screenplay, he was like, ooh, this line, I bet this is going to get a standing ovation, <laughs> but like he never actually thought that it would actually come to fruition. Like I almost feel like I should write him and be like, just so you know, I was at a theater in, in Florida. Yeah. In the, in the early nineties, I was at a theater in Orlando, Florida of about maybe 200 people. Will Smith punched the alien standing ovation, buddy. You did it. Give yourself a pat on the back. You accomplished it. <laughs> I think you should write that that letter to him yeah I think I think I will sure you would
0: just make his make his year (laughs) so since the aliens are coming we don't know what's going to be left of us but let's say that um, another generation finds your capsule what movie would you choose to show them the good side of humanity
1: okay this is a this is a little left field but I had to think a long time about it cool runnings hell yeah just a classic just uh this could have also cool runnings i could have almost answered all these previous questions with cool runnings you know (laughs) what movie would you show to someone to cheer them up you know Mm uh what movie like oddly could probably make you cry everyone needs to see once in their life there's cool runnings all the answers i still believe this movie holds up it's another quotable movie but it would have to go in there for this i had to get it in 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 one of these questions, it needs to be in the capsule, and I think it really shows the good of humanity. It's like it's a it's a beautiful movie that deals with breaking stereotypes, that deals with a true story, um, it, a, a movie about triumph. It's fantastic. The casting is unbelievable for such a you know kid based movie. I I do believe that anyone could watch that movie and thoroughly have a smile on their face and enjoy the heck out of it. And if I was Aliens, I, if I watched that movie, I'd be like, maybe we shouldn't destroy them. <laughs> they're, they're pretty great. If these, if these guys live on Earth, I mean, hopefully they wouldn't research that John Candy has passed. But, but if they thought all of those guys were still around on Earth, they'd be like, yeah, let's save this thing. Will Smith, ye, we're going we're gonna to let this one go. Okay, pal? We'll, we'll meet again. We're going to
0: hold off for a bit. Yeah. Yeah, that movie. When you think about it, it's um, it's a story of two different people's redemptions. You know, John Candy gets a second shot at at Very being a true. coach, and then you also got um, the actor's name is Leon. I don't know what's the main guy's name, is the character's the, name, the character's name. Oh, I just know him as Leon because of Cliffhanger and Cool Runnings.
1: Yes, I'm looking it up now. It's going to bother me.
0: Yes, Therese. He. You know, in the beginning, he loses uh, at track or he gets, you know, tripped up and he has to that's right. change his life, which, you know, in COVID times, like a lot of people are doing that right now. And, and um, yeah, it really shows that you can, you can still get your Olympic dreams if you just um, change it up and keep
1: fighting. Senka. That's the name I was thinking of. That's, that's the other guy. I loved I Senka. love Senka. Best friend. And, and that was like, you know, we've seen this movie done a hundred times. You know, whether it's, I mean, pick a sports movie, they're all follow this mold, the mighty ducks, whatever. For me, cool runnings did it the best. It just, it, it found a way to, to find a story of triumph that really seemed like the biggest hill to climb. You know, it's like when we see like a bunch of ragtag kids and eventually they play hockey. It's like, yeah, I can kind of understand that. Seeing a bunch of track stars out of Jamaica become a bobsled team and then it actually happened is really just one of those like diamond in the rough stories that's just like unbelievable and and everyone can get behind. And it also was like one of the few movies that like wasn't just um America's the good guy. <laughs> you know? Yeah it's always like yeah. America versus Russia, you know? Like that's always like the deal. And it's like that was a, you know to to put in a vault, you know, for aliens that uh, you know, I'd want them to know more than just uh um uh, Americana, you know. Right. That's a great Even point. though that that movie is also probably inherently Americana. <laughs> <laughs> and man, John Candy. Oof. Name a bad John Candy movie. Like can't do it. T- tell me tell me you don't love Uncle Buck. Tell me you, you don't watch Planes Trains and Automobiles around every Thanksgiving, you know, tell me you don't love all of his scenes in home alone and anything he ever touched like that's a guy who like was only in great feel-good movies and could tug at your heartstrings at the same time Mm -hmm. yeah him and chris farley
0: they they had some secret sauce inside of them unfortunately we don't we did not get enough movies out of them one thing i was just thinking about with cool runnings i forgot that they don't win but it feels like a win they you know they fall over. I think they have to carry their their sled across the finish line. It feels like a win though, because everyone cheers them on and does the slow clap. Um but yeah, it's another great reason why that movie is a good choice to sum up humanity is if you fail, keep going. Like it's just hammered back into the movie over and
1: over. I think that's one of the reasons I I loved it as a kid is is it had a twist. Like Mm -hmm. there's there's always like a lot of PG movies tend to just be very cookie cutter and it's like you know they're going to win. They're going to get the thing. And that one, you, you, it's totally setting you up to be like, yeah. And then you kind of see the screws start to come in. You're like, wait a minute. And then they boom, fall over. And it's like silence, you know? And it's like, oh. And then you're like, oh my gosh. Like your whole world's turned upside down. You're like, they don't win? How, does, how can this be? And then they, they, they get up and they walk it. And that's got to be one of the earlier first claps in a It film. is for
0: me, yeah. That's the first time I can remember a slow clap.
1: Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Great slow clap movie.
0: (laughs) All right, Dave, one final scenario for you. Yeah. You've got a a bunker for the aliens when they come. You're going to go into your bunker. You've got time to grab or download one movie to rewatch for the rest of your days in your bunker. What movie are you choosing?
1: My favorite movie of all time is Apollo 13. All right. I love this film. So much so it's me and my, it was the first thing that me and my wife truly related on so much so that on our second or third date, I asked her what her favorite movie was and she said Apollo 13. And I was like,
0: oh. and I, go, <laughs> I, literally,
1: I literally go, no, it's not. And my favorite movie is Apollo 13. And she's like, yeah, it's my favorite movie. I was like, Apollo 13 is your favorite movie of all time. And she's like, yeah. To the point where we were, Cause you know, she's very funny too. And we were doing a lot of jokes throughout the dates so much. So we had to come up with a secret word to tell each other that we are being serious uh-huh. and it's become Apollo 13. So Apollo 13 has become like our own little thing to the point now where <laughs> I forget, I forget that it's just me and my wife's thing. And I yeah. slipped and done it in the real world. We're like, I'll be telling a story and I'll be like, yeah. And so, yeah. And I almost got in a car wreck and they're like, for real. I'm like, yeah, Apollo 13, man, it's serious. You know? <laughs> and they're like, did you, what did you just say? I'm like, oh, sorry. That's what, <laughs> yeah. And I think one of the reasons we both love that movie is, again, I think it's a perfect film. I think it has, if you were teaching a screenwriting class, a uh, film, a class to filmmakers, and you're like, what do you need in a movie? And I, and I get that's based on a true story, But it's, it's very hard to tell a true story Mm -hmm. on screen and get everything you need and have, I I almost find it's almost harder because we know the outcome, right? You know, we already know all the facts. It it can't be just slowly laid out and, and given to the audience. And they did such a good job with it. It's such a, everyone knows the story of Apollo 13, but going into it, every time I watch that movie, my heart still races. I still, there's a small part of me that goes, are they going to get home? And the performances are incredible. I think it's one of Tom Hanks' best movies. I think it's one of Gary Sinise's best movies. I think it's one of Ed Harris' best movies. And they're all heavy hitters. Oh my God, I almost said Pullman. Paxton, right? Right. Everyone gets those two confused and I do too. (laughs) Paxton's best movie. One of Kevin Bacon's best films, I think. Like Just a really subtle performance from all of them. And it's just a beautiful film. It's, it's a film. It's, it, now we're so used to seeing space films. You know, <laughs> like there's so, you know, gravity and, and they just come out interstellar and they start coming out and coming out and coming out. And I think the way they shot Apollo 13, which was like in the Vomit Comet. Vomit Comet. Thank you. Yes. The Vomit Comet. Like the real deal. And they had to shoot it. You only get 15 minutes Seconds? or something. Yeah. something like that. So it was like, like a very tiny amount of time. I forget what it is, but the way they piece that movie together is even more impressive. And it just has everything you need. You know, it just has every, everything you want and need. You know, it's like, it's a movie I still cry in, it's a movie I still feel inspired by. It's got great performances, and I just think it's a perfect movie. Everything about it is, is spot on. Um, and again, the aliens would just be like, who's this Tom Hanks guy? Cause Dave loves him. <laughs> like whatever this capsule is like, just, I should just actually, that's what I would do. Actually. I would just stick Tom Hanks in the capsule because I think if the aliens met Tom Hanks, they'd be like, we're cool with Earth. Like we're good. Like we get it. Humans are inherently good. <laughs> what one, one quick story. So we talked about what I do for a living, which is amazing. I get to interview actors about movies. I'm an actor myself. So it's even more, uh, enticing to be able to talk to them. Mm. So for for bigger, bigger actors, usually it's one-on-one, you're in like a Zoom during quarantine or face-to-face, and you get like four minutes. It's like literally yeah. time. You step in the door, the clock starts, you get four minutes, go. Tom Hanks for his uh last film. Oh, the News of the World. News of the World, thank you. They decided that they were just going to bring all the journalists into one Zoom and we were going to do like like sports style interview yeah. where you just kind of raise your virtual hand and get to ask Tom Hanks a question. And I was so nervous and excited to be able to experience Tom Hanks. And I've got to experience, I've got to interview a lot of great actors and great actresses. Um, some really, really big ones, but there's something about like when I interviewed Ruffalo and Brolin, like you get a sense of like the true, like big a listers, even the way they answer questions, you're like, oh, this is why you're a movie star. <laughs> you're just like, you're just, you know what you're doing. You know how to make a, a, a really amazing answer out of a bad question. And Tom Hanks was everything you want him to be. There was 30 journalists on the Zoom, and the very first thing he did was open up his participants window and go down the line and go, hey, Karen. Hey, Jane. Hey, Dave. Hey, Bob. Hey Brian and went through every single one of our names saying hello to us. That's how he started. It's come classy. Ahead. I was just like immediately I was like I love him. I love this guy. <laughs> like he's I mean like that's such a that's such a clutch move to do cuz immediately we're all like oh yeah. I was like just like waiting. I was like here I come, Dave. that's me, you know. And then his answers were so in depth. You start to realize like He does an insane amount of research like he goes and he is a filmmaker like he Mm -hmm. thinks of things from the perspective of a filmmaker and how a films made how it's going to look all aspects of him. He really thinks and then someone asked a question that was silly and I don't fault the woman for having to ask it because I too have been sent questions from the company that I must ask. Yeah, and so this poor girl is is forced to ask him, Tom. Um, since you're playing a cowboy and you've played Woody in Toy Story, no, did you utilize anything from Woody in this new character? As she was asking it, I was like sinking lower in my chair, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh no, this is the worst question of all time!" Oh, poor Tom. And I was just like thinking, I was like, "Oh no, poor Tom," and like. Is he going to like skewer this girl and like, you know, totally roast her in front of everyone? <laughs> and he totally could have. And he just took a moment and he was like, you know, I didn't take anything from Woody, but I'll say this. I don't take anything from any other role into the next role. Oh. And then he went on and gave this amazing answer about how each role should be a fresh start and he just starts with a clean slate and builds them from the ground up and really focuses on just exactly what that character wants and needs to the point where like 20 minutes later I was like oh my god this was from that woody question wasn't it like <laughs> damn <laughs> like i cannot but like we are watching a damn master right now just take a stupid question about woody about uh, what was it like to voice a cartoon cowboy and what's it like to work on this movie News of the World uh, and boom he somehow found a way to spin it. I'm in love with Tom Hanks. I'm not afraid to say it. I feel like if you're listening to a movie podcast of any sorts, how can you like movies of the last 20 years and not be a Tom Hanks fanatic? I mean, mm-hmm. and then he's to find out he's the real deal in person. I mean, come on.
0: That's what makes Tom Hanks Tom Hanks. He is the best of us and us being humans. Yeah. It's just a great representation. Oh, and now you get to tell your daughter when you're
1: showing your toy story, you're like, hey, daddy knows Tom. I know, <laughs> that's right. Daddy was one of 30 people in a virtual room <laughs> with Tom Hanks and time ran out and he did not get to ask his question. Oh no! <laughs> it's okay, it was, it was definitely one of those moments where I, I was totally satisfied just experiencing... Um, Tom Hanks in this format that I probably would never have like just in a virtual room, me and 30 other people yeah. uh, getting experience, Tom Hanks. And there was a part of me that was like, do I want Tom Hanks to see my bedroom? You know, because <laughs> when you're on zoom, you're just kind of like, this is kind of weird. Like I'm, I'm looking at Tom Hanks in his living room right now. Like this is, it's kind of personal.
0: Yeah. Wow. That is crazy. Wow. you you have
1: interacted with a lot of amazing film people. I'm very, very lucky. It's, it's a job that each time they email me for the next one, I go, I can't believe this is a job. I mm-hmm. can't believe I get paid to do this, and I can't believe that they still want me to do this. couple weeks, one-on-one with old Gyllenhaal. Really? I mean, speaking, speaking of dreamy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, David, it's, it's time to go. We got to get into our bunkers. I need you to provide the Foley for the sound effect of your capsule closing because this is a low budget show. I can't wait to hear what you got
1: for us. It's a very tiny capsule. Very <laughs> tiny.
0: Small capsule. It's got a it's
1: USB my- drive inside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is a USB drive filled with Tom Hanks movies, so it, it can be very delicate. But I'm excited for these aliens. I'll tell you what. These aliens, they got... A lot of 90s nostalgia. They get a couple of like movies that'll, you know, really show them what we're doing. They got a lot of Tom Hanks. And honestly, they're going to be pretty emotional from some of my picks. So they're going to have a great time. Standing ovation.
0: David, thank you so much for doing this. This was a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed it as well.
1: Oh, man. Luke, thanks so much for having me, buddy. Uh, I can talk movies all day, every day. And I'm so excited for this pod and for people to hear it and for people to start hearing all these uh, different vaults. I'm going to listen to the next couple episodes.
0: If you want a recap of everything in David's Capsule, go to slash MTC. If you like this podcast, please rate it on Apple Podcasts. You know, five stars would be awesome, but fours, that's good too. It helps me uh, reach more listeners like you and um, expand the show. Finally, I'll leave you with this quote. Can you figure out which movie it's from? Do you know what happens when a toad is struck by lightning? The same thing that happens at everything else.